You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God, as well as your confidence, gratitude, and faithfulness in Him. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, as we continue our series on the grace of God, we will now dig into the deepest and most profound layer of God's grace, the eternal covenant of God. When one examines the subject of God's grace, especially when digging into the deepest regions of it, as we will do today, There are three foundational, at least, truths that must be emphasized. Starting with, God is God, and we are not. And His ways, as He Himself says, are way beyond our ways in thinking. Isaiah 55, my ways are far beyond your ways. Romans 11.33, Paul writes, God's ways are unfathomable. It is God who is eternal, who spoke the universe into existence as he willed, as he designed, when he wanted. God is sovereign, meaning He does whatever he wants according to his will, whenever he is pleased to do whatever he wants to do, and he can do whatever he wants to do because nothing can stop him. He's eternal, holy, and unlimited, and he controls all things, all matter, time, space, and all life. There is not one moment in history outside of his control as God either causes or allows or prevents even every event that happens or could happen. There's not one atom in this universe outside of his sovereign control. And God is not obligated to offer mercy or salvation to anyone. He offers salvation because he is pleased to do so. He is gracious. And how is it that we know these things? Because God himself has told us in his word. The Bible tells us who God is, his character, and how he operates. God has clearly described and informed us on who he is. God is is truth according to God, not according to our assumptions or wishes, preferences, or imaginations. Number two, it's important to understand that God's grace, this subject, is an extremely profound subject matter. No doubt. These are deep, deep waters. Jesus, when speaking to Nicodemus in John 3, If you do not understand what I tell you regarding earthly things, how could you understand if I tell you about heavenly things? 
the gospel and the truth of Christ are called a mystery in the Bible. Paul uses that description, the mystery of Christ. God says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Certainly, grace is such a subject and today's section of God's grace is, in my opinion, and others, the most profound in all of God's truth. Lastly, we should understand this, is that eternal life, the plan of salvation, the forgiveness and justifying grace of God, this entire plan is first and foremost God-centered. Eternal life salvation is at its core and purpose and foundation, a God-honoring plan for the glory and purpose and pleasure of God, more than it is a plan for the purpose and honor of you and me. It all starts with God for God. Indeed, there are pleasures and purposes and honor that comes in a person being involved in eternal life, no doubt, but we must understand it starts with God as we are the beneficiaries of God's eternal plan designed predominantly, initially, foundationally for God and his glory and honor. More on this in a bit. If you know this, you are in a good place. Unfortunately, many do not. So let's now begin with our familiar passage in this subject of God's grace in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30, where Paul writes the following, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that his son might be the firstborn supreme one among many brothers. And those whom God predestined, he also called. And those whom God called, he also justified. And those whom God justified, he also glorified. In a quick analysis, as we've already said, God foreknew was previously beforehand, before the existence of humans involved with them, in his mind and heart, in love, with plans for them. And he predestined them, predestinated, ordained them to be conformed to the image of his son to receive eternal life. And those whom God predestined in time, he called to himself through the gospel, and he justified, counted righteous, credited them with the righteousness of Christ and his salvational work on the cross. And those justified will be glorified or are glorified, a future event spoken in the past tense because of its guarantee. So here's the question for us today. How did all of this get started? Perhaps more accurately asked is, why did all of this eternal plan and predestination and grace ever get started to begin with? Well, a few quick passages that clearly give us the clue or answer. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes, For he, God the Father, chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved one, namely the Son of God, Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. God has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace. A grace which God gave us in Christ before time began. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. Why do so many people deny the the obvious God's elect and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before time began. This is super profound, and it begs the question, if you think into it, God promised what? God promised eternal life and the plan of eternal life and all of its details. When did God promise eternal life? Well, according to Two passages we read before time began. Before time began, God promised the hope and details of eternal life. Then you may ask, well, to whom did God promise it? Well, the only answer is to himself, because before time began, only God existed. Not you, not me, not even angels at this time. God, in eternity past, according to the Bible and careful reading of it, promised the plan of salvation to himself. An inter-Trinitarian promise. Specifically, at least, God the Father and God the Son in what you could say we would call the eternal covenant of God in Trinity where God the Father and God the Son at least promised the details and the means and the results of the eternal plan of salvation, which includes the means of salvation, namely that God the Son himself will be the Savior of God's people. These are exceedingly profound waters. And as already stated and read, it's not only the details and what is required of salvation, eternal life, and the means to it, namely Christ, but also included in the promise are the specific recipients of eternal life. 
those who are foreknown by God, not foreseen or foreviewed and what we will do in time, foreknown in the mind of God and subsequently, according to the Bible, chosen, predestined, appointed, object of God's mercy, elected by God the Father to be the recipients of God's eternal grace. A group called the elect of God. And get this, given to the Son of God. Yes, a future, not yet existing people, including some who would die at a very young age, even before they could speak a language, or some who never experienced life outside of their mother's womb, chosen by God in eternity past and given to the Son in love. A virtual people, you might say, not yet existing in the heart and the mind of God, chosen by the Father and given to the Son as a gift of His love to the Son. Some have documented this as a love gift. I would agree. A love gift from the Father to the Son, from the Father's eternal, infinite love of His eternal Son, a future to be saved people who will love, crave, know, commune, enjoy, and serve, and praise the Son now in our lives, and far more so in glory in the infinite, eternal kingdom of heaven. For who He is, this God the Son, and what He has done for us. This is deep, rich, shocking, overwhelming, intense, beautiful, and true. Let's take a Bible look at what we just asserted from Jesus' own mouth. John chapter 10. Listen carefully. Verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own or I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I have other sheep that are not yet of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch him out of my father's hand. Before that, in John 6, starting in 37, Jesus says, Everyone that the Father gives me will come to me. Did you notice the order? It's not that everyone that comes to me, the Father will give me. He says, Everyone that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. 
namely my father. And this is a will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me that raised them up at the last day. And then in John 17, in his prayer to the father in front of his disciples, the day before his crucifixion, Jesus says, Father, you have given your son authority over all flesh in order that he would give eternal life, listen, to all whom you have given him. Verse 6, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. A, a group of people given to the Son before they ever existed. And according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and Titus chapter 1, were given a grace already in Christ before time began. A group of people, as the Bible will describe throughout, as sheep, the bride of Christ, disciples, the elect, the body of Christ, the called or the chosen, predestined to believe, trust, and love, and know, and honor, and worship, and serve Christ, and one day share in the Son's own glory for all eternity in the kingdom of heaven. This is super profound and beautiful. The sovereign will of God to even want to give his love and his kingdom to anyone. He had no obligation whatsoever to open up his family and his residency to anyone or anything. And a creature, finite, made from dirt, who would rebel against him, were promised and secured to be in his family, in his kingdom, for all eternity. A specific group, according to the compassionate mercy will of God. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It depends not on works or a person's will, but on God who has mercy, Romans 9. This is not a universal category of people according to whoever decides on their own free will to come that God knows about through foresight. This is specifically a chosen people by God the Father given to the Son Listen to Jesus clarify this or emphasize this himself. John 10, 24. Here's the scene. Jesus has said he's a good shepherd. The Jews at this time, some who did not believe in him, who did not understand who he really was, they were listening and they, they gathered around him in the temple area and they say in verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, Tell us plainly. John 10, 25, Jesus answers them. I did tell you, and you do not believe. 
the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me and who I am. Now listen carefully to what Jesus says. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Notice, as difficult as this is to the ears of mere limited carnal thinking, listen to what Jesus says. You do not believe, even though the evidence is clear, because you are not my sheep. Notice he does not say, you are not my sheep because you do not believe, as if to say, if you did believe, you would become my sheep. No, he says, the reason that you do not know who I am and understand and want me and follow me is because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Verse 16 Jesus has already stated that being a sheep is not predicated upon whether or not a person believes yet. Because in 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep who were not yet of this fold. I must bring them in also. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. I give my sheep eternal life. Startlingly, Ling, In John 17, when Jesus is praying, saying in verse 2, For you granted him, the Son, authority over all flesh, Father, in order that he, the Son, would give eternal life to those whom you have given him. Listen to what he says in verse 9. I am not praying for the world, but specifically for those whom you have given me. Jesus clearly states that he gives eternal life to the ones the Father has already given him. And it's these given that are his sheep, and they will come to him. And he's not praying for anyone in the world outside of his flock given by the Father who are his sheep. Paul, in addressing the believers in Rome in his letters, in his letter, Romans chapter 1, verse 6, describes the recipients as those called to belong to Jesus Christ. And Paul would write to Timothy in chapter 219 saying, the Lord knows those who are his. His before, during, and after their conversion in faith given by the Father. Who, according to the Bible, these given, have their names written in the book of life, or as John would describe it, the Lamb's book of life. When Jesus is training his disciples for ministry and they're all excited about the events that they experience, he tells them, do not rejoice about these things, but rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven, Luke ten twenty. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians chapter 4, describes believers as having their names written in the book of life. Hebrews 12, 23, Christians have their names enrolled in heaven. 
The book of life is the divine register of the elect of God, specifically the elect given to Christ. The language in which this book is written, who knows? Is it ink? Is it digital? Is it some other format? The print size, the pages, the size of the book? Whatever it is, there is a book, a book of life that contained those who belong to Christ. And these names were written in this book before time began. And as John ends his letter of Revelation, the conclusion to the Bible, in chapter 20 and 21, speaking of the book of life, he emphasizes that heaven is only for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus says to his disciples that same evening as he's about to be crucified on the next day, which he clearly knew about, he says this to these men who he says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have appointed you subsequently to bear much fruit. But he says to them also in this time of encouragement, a very profound statement in John fifteen nine, as the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Now think about that for a moment. Uh, immeasurable, of course, at least now, is how much, how deeply God the Father loves God the Son eternal. A perfect, infinite, holy God in Trinity, how much love exists there. As the Father loves me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says, I have loved you. Well, if if you've ever thought about the depth of that, Paul writes in Ephesians, I want you to understand and know the depth of the love of Christ, if that's even understandable now. But have you ever wondered why Jesus Christ loves his sheep, his followers, so deeply? Them specifically. Certainly his nature is love, but he's not obligated to love everyone. God says that he loved Jacob and not his brother, Romans 9. That is hard, and I say that with hesitancy because it's so harsh to hear. I know it, but it's biblical and true. But have you ever wondered this Bible telling believers in Christ that God loves us with an everlasting love, why Christ does love you so deeply? I would say, seemingly clear, because you have been given to Christ, if you're his, by his Father as a love gift. You are a gift, O believer, or if you come to faith in Christ Jesus, if you're not already later in life, you were given 
as a gift of God the Father's love, specifically to God the Son, as a an expression or a gift, a grace-granting, tangible gift of the Father's love. And because you are a gift from the Father to the Son, the Son loves you because you are His. And He loves you truly and deeply. Not a capricious, universal, can't figure out love. It is intentional and specific. And you love Him, yes? The the sheep love the shepherd. (laughs) Paul says, I... I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. He's my Lord. I love him. Everything is complete garbage or crap, literally, compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. We've been called into fellowship with Christ. He is our Lord. He is our life. He is the treasure of the gospel and eternal life, knowing Christ, knowing God forever. The love gift goes both ways. As we in love from the Father to the Son, we were given to the Son, <laughs> the Father in love to us, as Jesus says in John 17, 23, oh, by the way, the Father loves you, my sheep, those given to me, even as he loves me, that the Father gave us before we ever existed a grace of having Christ. We were given to the Son, and the Son of God was given to us because of the Father's eternal love for us. This is why Jesus was so motivated and driven and intentional to meet and eat and hang out with sinners of all kinds and preach them the truth. Because despite the criticisms that he and the grumbling that he heard and received from the religious, legalistic, don't care about people, Pharisees and scribes, some of them who mocked him for eating with tax collectors and sinners and people like me, Jesus says, you want to know why I'm eating with these people? Because I'm looking for my lost sheep. They're my sheep, and I'm going to go find them, and I'm going to call them by their name. Like a woman, a nurse or a teacher would diligently search for her lost valuable coin. Praise the Lord. Then in time, as these elected, given to Christ individuals are born throughout history, all of these given to the Son are called to faith in the Son. Romans 8.30, for those whom God predestined, he also called. What does that mean, called? It means to be called out of 
the spiritual death and condemnation we were born in and the sin that made us guilty before God and ravaged and controlled us and Satan's grip and power called out of that into new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How? How did... How, how are we called? How are the sheep? How are the sheep, those given to Christ, called through the gospel of Christ Jesus? That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. It's the gospel that goes out. Typically, John the Baptist had the spirit and was saved even in his mother's womb, praise the Lord. Aren't we glad that God is sovereign, that he can do that? The gospel goes out, and in the gospel, it goes into the ears of humanity, and to those who have the ears to hear, as the Bible say, it lights a switch and opens them up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Paul writes, listen, We should always give thanks to God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you for salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. Yes? Verse 14, and to this God called you through our gospel that we preach to you. It's God's gospel we preach so that you would share in the glory of God. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. The given sheep whose names are written in the book of life hear the call of God through the gospel. That's why we should preach the gospel rather than these man centered, manipulating, feel good, life help messages that so many do, unfortunately. But the true preachers preach the gospel of Christ. And in this gospel, people hear their need and hear their Savior's voice. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, John 10, and they come in repentance to faith in Christ. By the grace of God, calling. Not by the intellectualism or the will of us coming to the decision as it may feel and many assert. And I once thought... But as Jesus says in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless my father draws him. The spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. You must be called in grace by God, according to the will of God, exerted on a person who he has chosen. Why do people believe the gospel? So few actually. And many reject the opportunity to be forgiven and know God and go to heaven because in spiritual death, nobody would want it, nor can we understand it. So God supernaturally calls us. After preaching or just before preaching in Matthew 8, verse 28, come to me, Jesus says, all who are laden, burdened, and heavy laden and stuck in the hamster wheel of legalistic, self-righteous, work-based righteousness which never works. If you're one of those, come to me. I'll give you rest for your souls. Gospel invitation goes out. 
Have you ever read what Jesus says before? That well-known verse, Matthew 11, verse 27. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden, hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to little children, the lowly, the scumbags, those who may not be so intelligent and intelligent too. Yes, Father, for such was your good pleasure or gracious will. Listen, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Wow. That's a shocker for most. John 5.21, the Son gives life to whomever he's pleased to give it. Who opened Lydia's heart in Acts 16? Who believed in, in Antioch? Who believed in Acts 13, 48? All who were appointed to eternal life believed. Why many rejected. You must be born again, Nicodemus. Even Paul, clearly, Acts 9, his conversion is nothing of his own. It is the will of God, as Paul knew that he was chosen by the grace of God. He says it, read Galatians, and all his letters emphasize this. And all of them, all of the given sheep of Christ called one by one by name. The calling of God and salvation is not some institutional calling, as some people say. God does not call a church, and then if you go to the church, you're now called too. Or some group universally or a nation. He's done callings of groups and nations for lesser things than eternal life and glory. But when it comes to eternal life through the gospel, God calls sinners individually. Yes, you and your buddy could get hit the same moment, the same day, but each of you are called individually. Those given, everyone given in eternity past, not one will be lost, not one. John 6, 37, not the love gift given to the Son. Jesus says, everyone or all, everyone that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and truly believes in him in genuine faith shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, one by one, as Jesus calls the sheep, hear his voice, and respond in repentance and faith. Do you, my friend, realize this, the the exceedingly generous and merciful, loving kindness of God given by God to an undeserving recipient because God the Father in eternity past knew you and wanted you and loved you and gave you to his Son for eternal life and wrote your name in heaven to guarantee what he has promised in covenant. Praise the Lord. And then in the love of God, the love of Christ, those given when they come to faith are held and secured 
for eternal life by the power of God and the covenant promise of God and the promise of God to each one of them personally through the word. John 10, 28, I give my sheep eternal life. Eternal life means eternal life. Once you have eternal life, you're now eternally living in the favor of God and spiritual life and you're sealed. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus said this to a crowd 2,000 years ago and says these words to you and me listening today and tomorrow in the future if we believe. You'll never perish and never be lost. You're a gift to the Son from the Father, and your name is written in heaven, and no one can snatch you. Satan himself no longer can, and trouble and persecution, death, or your own sin can snatch you out of his hand or the Father's hand. The will of my Father, verse 39, is I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise him up at the last day. And furthermore, as Paul writes in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is granted for many reasons, but one is a security to hold you for eternal life, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. <clears throat> Not one single love gift person written in the book of life, predestinated for salvation, eternal life, will miss the opportunity, praise the Lord, even if they never made it out of mommy's womb because God gave them grace in eternity past and caused something to happen when they were alive for that short while. And those who hear today, all who are lost, who belong to Christ, will be found and saved. Why? Because God promised it and God and Christ wants it and he has guaranteed in his blood and his hold and the Holy Spirit given that you are secured for all eternity. According to the Bible, praise the Lord. Some would say real quickly, well, what about those who believed in Christ yet later walked away? How do you deal with that? Well, the way that John, one of Jesus' disciples, did in his own writing in the Bible. The people that walked away, John writes, 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. Every single true sheep of Christ Jesus will absolutely persevere to the end because it is the grace of God and the will of God and the love of God holding you more than you actually want to be held. Eternal life is eternal life. They will never perish, my sheep. And then when God's plan on earth is complete and the gospel has gone global through time as God has willed it and finished its work. And all those given in eternity past have been born and reborn in Christ by the grace of God, found and saved then at the Father's appointed time, according to Jesus. 
the son will return and gather all of his true believers and take us to the kingdom of heaven to share in the glory and the communion with Christ God the Son and the Father and the Spirit forever. This is what Christ most wants with you. John 17, 24, Father, I desire that those whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. Christ wants to share his glory with you in a glorified state in the residency of God to the place where he's seated now, where he went to prepare a place for his sheep given to him. The son eagerly desires you to see and share in his glory. And this is the ultimate reason why God chose you for salvation. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2, because from the beginning, God chose you for salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this, God called you through our gospel in order that you will share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. Think about that the climax of all history, the reason the universe exists is to theater this great moment when Christ, the Son of God, the preeminent one in the universe for whom all things were created, by him they were created for his preeminence and his pleasure and his love and his honor and his worship by those that he gave his life to save, to praise him for what he gave them, us, no angel can relate. As Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, think about what is coming to those God has called. And the most remarkable aspect of this entire ordeal, the entire covenant plan, is that God the Son will be the Savior of those given to him. (laughs) To be chosen in Christ means that you and I were chosen to need Christ which means that we are chosen to need and receive payment from Christ and what he did when he became flesh and lived in this world. My father sent me here. I've been sent by my father to fulfill his will and lose none of my sheep. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Somehow, somewhere in this promise of God, which was a promise intertrinitarianly, the, the, the Father and the Son 
hearing, working, describing the details and committing in promise and covenant to them all, the requirement was that the Son himself would be the Savior, the substitute for their sins. And to do this, he would have to depart his glory in heaven, and the Creator would become a creature as a Jewish baby boy named Jesus. Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 6, For he, God the Father, chose us in Christ Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved one. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of God's grace, which he has lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Let me emphasize here, my friend, please understand this, that God the Son as Savior for sinners is not plan B, according to God, as some assert, because Adam blew it. This is plan A in the mind, in the heart, in the will of God. Adam never had a chance for glory in heaven on his own. He is a reason we're condemned. Impossible for Adam to righteously walk for his life to perfection and glory. The glory in heaven is only reserved for the only one in way, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God in human flesh, who would pay the penalty by the will of God for the sins of those given to him so that we would be saved and glorified and would worship the Son in heaven forever for who he is and what he did. I'll end with this. You ever think about what it was like for God the Son and God the Father when he departed his glory in heaven? As Paul clearly describes in Philippians 2, as being God himself and the nature of God, did not consider this equality with God as Father something to be demanded, grasped, or held onto, but became nothing taking on a human nature, two natures in one, God in human flesh as a baby in a human mother's womb. The creator, the one who scooped the dirt and made Adam the first man, is now by the mysterious power of God the Holy Spirit is being formed into a human that designed by God in the womb of Jesus' mother Mary.
And then he was born into this world, this dark world of hatred and rejection. And then preaching and teaching and love and filling his father's will. He knew the plan the whole time. No surprise. The, 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 the major part of the eternal life promise of God is that God the Son is the Savior. There is no other way. He was foreknown. Christ Jesus was foreknown by God before the foundation of the world, 1 Peter 1.20. Even the Peter and the other Peter in preaching on Pentecost tells the people that Christ was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. At some point, God the Son said, I will go. I will be their Savior. This was the covenant promise before time began. Giving his life up for the sheep. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, my friends. The eternal covenant of God made in eternity past between God the Father and God the Son with the Holy Spirit included. This marvelous plan of salvation for a dirt ball, non-divine, finite creature called man some of whom by God's foreknowledge and predestination and will and love given to them and grace already upon us were chosen in Christ as a love gift from the Father to the Son. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much for listening. Spread the rich, profound, beautiful, lovely, guaranteed, eternal truth of God's Word.